Over the past few weeks, we've just been amazed and, and we've been moved as we've seen the destruction from hurricanes Harvey and, and Irma, and, and we've seen pictures and video of the, of the loss and the buildings and, and the loss of, of whole communities. We've, we've seen people without homes, we've seen people without any kind of shelter at all, and the, the loss has been unimaginable. I can't imagine what, what Marley is experiencing down there right now. But we've also been moved by how many people are reaching out and how many people are helping and how much help has been given. People have been bringing in relief and, and they're bringing in supplies and hope to people in a very hopeless situation. When, when disaster strikes, we turn to FEMA, right? The Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. Because there are no two sentences that, that bring more peace than we are from the government and we are here to help, right? I mean, that, just, that just sparks all kinds of confidence. Oh, good. The government is here to help. Um, there was a headline I read this past week that said, Christians provide more aid to hurricane victims than FEMA. And the article began, it said, Christian nonprofit organizations like IDES that we support and, and so many others, the uh, Samaritan's Purse uh, and, and organizations like that. Christian nonprofit organizations have outdone FEMA and provided the vast majority of relief aid to victims of Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. According to USA Today, faith-based relief groups are responsible, responsible for providing nearly 80% of the aid delivered thus far to communities with homes devastated by recent hurricanes. Now, this isn't really news. Because on average, anytime there's a disaster, all the relief effort, about 80% of all relief effort, is done by nonprofits. And out of all of those nonprofits, about 80% of them are faith based, about 80% of them are Christian. So, so this really isn't news. But I think, it's, I think it's really worth noting not who is doing it, but why is it being done. Relief aid, relief effort is not our job. That's, that's not our job. So we don't treat it like a job. We don't treat it like a chore. We don't give just in response to emergencies and just in response to panic. We give because we love giving. We give because it brings us joy. You heard a scripture just a few moments ago, in fact, it's on the front of your bulletin. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 is the, the Scripture that says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I think we read that verse wrong. Because I think we usually read that verse when we're grumpy. You know? We're kind of grumpy. We read, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, that's not me. I guess there's no point in me giving because he's not talking to me this time. And, and we, we, we're just not, we feel bad because, well, we feel bad because we feel bad. And we feel bad because we're not giving enough and we don't have the right attitude. Well, well rather, than, rather than looking for an attitude to give out of, what if we gave to gain the attitude? What if we gave in such a way that it, it made us cheerful? And I think when you see the whole of chapter 9 here in 2 Corinthians, you see how that can work for us. I think there are some really practical little guidelines in, in this chapter 
that help us understand how to be cheerful givers. And I think one of the things that you have to see in this text and, and you have to look for in your own life is first of all, don't talk yourself out of giving. Don't talk yourself out of, out of giving. We're going to look at, at first, or 2 Corinthians 9. Again, it's page 968. You need a little background to understand what's happening in 2 Corinthians 9. And if we had time, I would start that background in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But we're not going to do that today. So let me just give you the quick and dirty explanation of what's happening. People in Jerusalem were starving. There was very bad conditions in Jerusalem. There was a huge problem with poverty in the city of Jerusalem. People were starving. And very likely, part in part, they were starving because they were Christians. Because in a predominantly Jewish city like Jerusalem, when you walked away from your Jewish roots and declared Jesus to be your Messiah, you would be cut off from your family. You would be cut off from your friends. You would be cut off from your support system. And so the Christians back in Jerusalem needed food and they needed help. They needed the support of other believers. And so Paul organizes the other churches in the other cities to raise funds to help the poor back in Jerusalem. We do the same thing. It's, it's really not anything new. We do the same thing. We give our tithes and our offerings to the church. We give the church our regular offering. And then on top of that, we make some commitments. Maybe we make some commitments to missions or a particular organization. Or from time to time, we make a commitment to the generous bucket or to Operation Christmas Child. Or, or we make, an op- or we make a, a commitment to, to Bible sticks or maybe hurricane relief. When, when those times come, we want to be ready to give. We want to be ready to respond. And that's exactly what the, what the Corinthians are being encouraged to do here. Be ready to give. Don't talk yourself out of giving. Paul says in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 9, <clears throat> he says, it is superfluous. That's a big word. It means, I don't even have to tell you this. I don't even have to tell you this. It is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia, Achaia is the region where we find uh, Corinth, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred most of them up. There in verse 2, he says, I know you're ready to give. I know I don't have to talk you into giving. I don't have to twist your arms and tell you that you need to do this. But here is what you need to know. Your being ready to give has stirred up other people to give. Macedonia, the whole region of Macedonia, the churches that are there, they are giving more because you are giving. I think that's good to know. Sometimes, sometimes we see a huge need. And a need comes up and we're like, well, we, we know we should give to that. But then we look at what we have and we think, well, what? What's my little offering going to do? How am I going to make a difference? I, how many Bible sticks can I actually afford? I mean, I, I can only do a few of those. How much can I give to the generous bucket? It's really just a dollar a week. How much can my one little offering do? I mean, how much difference can I make to those that have lost so much in the storms? But your little offering can inspire other people, can encourage them to give, and can provide even more blessings. And Paul Paul does not beat around the bush in this passage at all. He gets straight to the heart and he tells us exactly what he's talking about. I love how he puts it there in verses 6 and 7. Paul says, the point is this. 
man, I, I wish he had done that in all Scripture. You know, I wish, I wish Paul would have just laid it out to us. He said, well, the point is this. It would save me a lot of time. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then we have verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The farmers, you know this is true, right? If you don't plant very much, you don't harvest very much. If you plant more, you harvest more. That principle is also at work in our giving. It's a promise from God. And the result isn't just that, that our needs are met when we give. The result is in our attitude. God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word, and I've mentioned this a few times, the Greek word for cheerful in that verse, or, or happy, and in Greek, the word is hilarious. Now, does that sound familiar? Hilarious. Every now and then I think I'm hilarious. I'm not always hilarious. It's where we get hilarious. You know, that's, that's where we get that word. It comes straight from the Greek. God loves a hilarious giver is what that verse is saying. It tells us something of the, of the spirit that we're supposed to give out of. But, but more than that, when we, we give cheerfully because we know that God keeps His promises, right? God keeps His promises. So we can give cheerfully. The sureness of God's promise calls us to give with cheer. It calls us to give with joy. And so because of the sureness of God's promise, we see another guideline at work here. And the guideline is this. Take money seriously, but not too seriously. Take it seriously, but not too seriously. God loves a, a cheerful giver. God loves a hilarious giver. This week I asked a question in my, in my Tuesday email. And a few of you were kind enough to respond. I asked the question, tell me about a time when you gave to someone and you giving gave you joy. Tell me about a time when you gave to someone and it gave you joy. I wanted to hear your stories. And I didn't want to hear your stories so I could know that you give, because I already know that you give. You're one of the most giving groups of people I've ever been around. But I wanted to know your stories so we could stir up other people and have them create their own stories. One person wrote back and said, every Christmas I give anonymously to someone. I give the amount that God chooses and, and to whomever God lays on my heart to give it to, you, to. Sometimes I wonder where the money is going to come from, but it is always there when I pray for God's will. And I can't tell you how close the presence of Christ is in that moment when I pray for His guidance. Do you hear that? I can't tell you how close the presence of Christ is in the midst of, of giving like that. I love this story. When I was a little girl, this is not my story. This is someone else's story. We've just eliminated like half the audience right now. When I was a little girl, there were some neighbors who were poor who had a daughter just a few years younger than me, and I would ask her to spend the night, and my mom would fix the little girl's hair, and we would find one of my dresses that I had outgrown but was still like new that, that fit her. It was like a makeover day for her, and I remember how great it was to see how happy it made her. That's the kind of spirit that Paul is calling for here. Paul explains it on in, in verse 5. 
Paul says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction. That word exaction kind of makes me cringe because when I hear exaction, I think extraction. And I immediately think of my trips to the dentist and extraction does not sound good when a dentist says it or, or when anyone says it for that matter. And, and sometimes giving can feel like pulling teeth, can it? You know, it just feels like that. But it's not supposed to. It shouldn't feel like a chore. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. You know, if giving feels like a chore, then that's on us. That's, that's not the kind of giving that God calls for. And it's not the kind of giving that God promises to bless. He promises to bless cheerful giving. Now, that's not the only promise here, though. Look on down in verse 10. There's another promise in verse 10. Verse 10 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Did you catch that? He who supplies the seed, he will multiply your seed. Why is he going to multiply your seed? So, so you'll have more seed? No. So that you can give more. So that you can give more. Multiply your seed for sowing. I can't explain it, guys, but, but God has this principle in place. As we give, He gives us more so that we can give more. How can we have a promise like that and not give cheerfully? How can we have a promise like that and not do something hilarious with it? So take, take money seriously, but don't take it too seriously. Money is important, but it can't bring true satisfaction. Taking it too seriously clouds your judgment. It alters your motives. Find your motivation in God's promise, not in the amount of money that you have. The sureness of God's promise calls us to give with joy. And when you realize that's true, I think you see one other thing. I think what God is calling each of us to is to give with a smile and not a cringe. Some of you smiled when I said smile. That was nice. Give with a smile and not a cringe. One of the other stories that was shared was about a trip to Pizza Hut for dinner. And yeah, I can talk about Pizza Hut now. Uh, it's almost time. So while we were there, an older couple came in with two young children. I figured they were grandchildren. You could tell by how they were dressed that they didn't have a lot. Both adults were very polite to the wait staff, and they worked with the kids teaching them how to behave in a restaurant. So I, I so enjoyed watching and listening. There was no doubt I needed to pay for their meals. We both felt so good when we left, we told their waitress not to tell who did it. You know what I love about that story? is you weren't the only one that got a smile out of that story. Verse, verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You were able to abound in a good work, not just because you had a few extra bucks in your pocket, but because the grace of God had taught you that this was an opportunity to give. That's what happens when we learn to give to Him cheerfully. We give with a smile, not a cringe. And again, that's not the only promise in this passage. If you look on down at verses 11 and 12, 
Paul says, you will be. You hear that? You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, it's not only taking care of the poor in Jerusalem, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. You hear the certainty of that promise? You will be, he says. You know, we we got to confess, there are times when our giving does not match that kind of certainty. It does not reflect that kind of certainty. There's times when we give grudgingly. There's times when we feel like we're being put on. You know, oh, they're asking for money again. You know, those guys out there with the boots on the highway, they're asking for money. And, and those kids are coming to my door trying to sell me stuff. You know, they, they're, they're, they're asking for money again. We act like we're being put upon. But if we concentrate on that promise, you will be enriched. That's the kind of promise that produces joy. That, that's the kind of promise that produces cheerful and even hilarious giving. And the result isn't just that we give. The result isn't just that the needs are being met in the places where we're giving, but that thanksgiving overflows. Thanksgiving overflows in us. Thanksgiving overflows in those whose needs are being met. God does not call us to do this out of compulsion. He doesn't call us to do this out of exaction, but out of joy. He entrusts us with so much so that we can experience so much more joy from Him. The sureness of God's promise calls us to give with joy. I think we've seen that this week. I think think we've seen that over the past couple of weeks as, as we've talked about the Bible sticks. I've told you over and over again that somewhere, somewhere in the United States, someplace, there is an anonymous donor who loves Bible sticks. And this anonymous donor has decided that in the month of September, because of the, the memory of 9-11, because of the recognition of 9-11, every donation that is brought in for Bible sticks in the month of September is going to be doubled. He will match every donation made. Now, you and I could look at that and say, that's great. That means I don't have to give as much this year. You know, I, I can get away with giving half as much as I gave last year because someone else is, is going to do it. I don't know any names of people who give. You know, all I see is what comes in. I'll tell you what I've noticed over the last week. Whereas before someone may have donated enough for one Bible stick, they're donating enough for two. Or whereas before someone donated enough for two, they're they're donating enough for four. You guys are doubling your gifts because somebody else out there has already promised to double your gift. You're giving more because someone has encouraged you to do that. It's the kind of thing that inspires us not only to give, but inspires us to be cheerful about giving. And you know, you, you can inspire that too. You don't have to donate to a major you know, a nationwide program to, to do that. And some of you have already done that today just by sharing your stories and allowing me to, to share your stories. And thank you for that. And I know that some of you are going to go out there and you're going to create your own stories. You're going you're to create your own stories. And in doing so, you're going to create cheer. You're going to create thanksgiving. You're going to create something wonderful. When we talk about what God has entrusted us with, yeah, we talk about our finances. We talk about what God has entrusted with. We talk about tithing. We talk about our possessions. But, but don't forget, God has also entrusted you with joy. He's entrusted you with cheer. He's entrusted you to do something hilarious for Him. So go do that. 
Let's stand together and pray. Father, Your Word tells us that You love cheerful givers. We don't need to tell You. We, we don't need to confess that our attitude is not always cheerful. We know that, and, and You know that. What we confess is our desire to know You, to trust Your promises, and to reflect the joy and the grace that we have received from Jesus. So as we give, Lord, we give You our hearts, and we give You our attitudes. <laughs> Transform us. Make us cheerful. In fact, God, we, we are going to focus our attention on opportunities to give in ways that are hilarious. And in doing so, we hope to see Your joy and grace at work in the lives of others. We thank You for the opportunities we have to give and share. We thank You most of all for Your inexpressible gift of life and forgiveness through Your Son. It's in His name we pray. Amen.